Kiara, hello. My name is John Bradbury. I'm from the People Experience Practice here at the EMA. Um, in this series of EMA Cast, uh, we'll look at some of the trends and some of the new thinking that are affecting uh, the employment of people in the workplace here in New Zealand in, in 2023. And uh, in today's episode, I'm really pleased that I've got um, Zach Parrish from the Awareness Academy here to talk, talk to me around sort of well-being and about leadership. And Zach has a very interesting and, and I think unique kind of background um, but I will perhaps pass to him to tell you a bit about that and then we can start the conversation. Sure. Thanks, John. Well, it's great to be here. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I founded the Awareness Academy back in 2019 and yeah, quite a unique background. I was a Buddhist monk for six years. I also studied food and nutrition and uh, was very, very passionate about bringing, you know, mindfulness and mental health and well-being to the workplace. Um, and started off with mindfulness programs, uh, helping with reducing stress and anxiety, building resilience, and, and then um, grew into other holistic well-being courses. So things around food, nutrition, lifestyle, sleep, you know, ultimately all different things that we can incorporate into our daily routine that are re relatively easy and accessible. Um, and, and yeah, here we are today. And then and then following on from that, I also wanted to start to work with leaders and, and obviously managers in organisations. Um, so now uh, the business is very much focused on helping with implementing health and wellbeing strategies for the workplace. Um, so working a lot with um, people and culture and, and health and well, wellness professionals and health and safety with helping to implement health and wellbeing programmes to the workplace, specifically to the workplace. So Thank I work with teams and, and, and leaders of organisations. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Because there's there's quite a variety of things there that you mm. an experience yeah. that you sort of bring to the party, as it were, in mm. terms of well being. Because yeah. you talk about nutrition, you talk about the, yes. the, the time as a Buddhist monk, and yeah. you talk about working with leaders. Uh, um, and um, I guess also you sort of said, said, you know, I started the, the awareness company in 2019. Did you expect well being and wellness to be such an issue that it is yeah. now in the workplace back in 2019? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I did, I had a vision, you know, back then, well, previous to 2019 about that. And I could see that where this sort of trajectory we were going. And I think, I think it was a bit of uh, fortune in that sense that, you know, there was, it was a, a very important topic um, that needed to be uh, needed to be brought to life, and, and and I think you know we can be thankful for a lot of the initiatives from the government as well, you know, bringing that to the forefront. Um, and yeah, I think it, it, it's just great to see you know this being at the forefront again of, of how important it is you know for businesses you know to, to really look after teams and and really to, to to focus on that as a priority also as well as obviously all of the other business strategic plans so to speak. Yeah. yeah, so very positive to, to see it and see Absolutely. it being focused on. And I mean, I think we talk about it in, 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 from a number of different lenses. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if, first of all, um, you could um, talk a little bit about, you know, if we're thinking from this sort of individual lens, you know, mm. we're all kind of thinking about, OK, these last few years have been a bit difficult, yes. you know, oh, my goodness, here's, here's the next thing that's kind of happened. Yes. What, what sort of techniques and practices do you work with in, at an individual level? with people? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Well, I think first put a bit of context around it is we've we've all been through a, a particularly challenging time, obviously, with the camp pandemic and, and lockdowns. And, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, so to speak, where we're used to and able to deal with sort, sort of short, sharp bursts of stress and anxiety naturally. But it's the first time we've ever had to deal with a pandemic. Um, so what's happened is we've had this long sort of chronic 
um, you know, stress and anxiety, yeah. and we've been triggered a lot with fear and, and worry and, and concerns, and understandably so. And, and then, you know, when this changes and we get back to our normal routine, so to speak, things just don't suddenly change overnight because we've had this, you know, habitual thinking and habitual experiences, all of us. So first and foremost is having compassion for ourselves, but also others. You know, this is one of the most important points in the workplace is, is especially for leaders and, and managers to, to really in, instill and bring it back to compassionate workplaces, you know, to, to focus on, on, on not just the individual or our own stress and anxiety, but also others. So it's kind of like, you know, two sides of the same coin. So how do we look after our own individual health and well-being? So there's lots of practices we can do, uh, you know, meditation, mindfulness, um, ways to build psychological flexibility. So dealing with the challenges that we're facing, you know, economically and environmentally, so to speak. Um, and then there's bringing in the people aspect of it. So we have to look after our own stress and anxiety, but also remind ourselves that everyone's going through the same at the moment, you know, and this is key. You know, so understanding that those triggers sometimes when we get frustrated, um, you know, angry, might, you know, lose lose our lose our mind at times, you know, to, to, to have compassion for ourselves, but also others. And remember that we've got no idea often what's going on in people's yeah. lives themselves and what they're going through. So, you know, it's very important to understand, you know, and to look through that lens of compassion for others as well. Yeah. So you know, if, if if I was if I was feeling sort of yeah. sort of stressed, I suppose yes. by in the current environment, feeling yeah. under pressure, and you know, you talk about this important compassion kind of for myself and, yes. and for others. What what sort of techniques or practices would would help me to develop my kind of awareness in the, in those sort of areas? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a that's a good question, and there are some great practices. And, and I mean, first and foremost, there's lots of just very simple awareness practices of the breath. So when we get up in the morning, I tend to be quite energised but our mind kicks in and then we get swept off into the day we've got so many things to to think about and to do during the day so getting a good morning routine is key there's lots of research and evidence now showing the benefits of this um, so really you know just doing some simple breath awareness so sitting down and being aware of the breath and, and sitting for 10 or 15 minutes and doing some breath meditation or mindfulness practice now I know there's probably a few people that have got family and, and children and it's not that easy to do um, you know in certain environments but what you can do is is incorporate simple breath work practices so there's things like the four seven eight breathing practice which is really good coherent breathing where we're breathing a number of seconds in and then a number of seconds out over a minute um, there's box breathing techniques which is again another practice um, you can google all of these um, but they're really good things that we can incorporate into our daily routine when if we get triggered if we get stressed we can just bring that awareness to the breath the breath is this very powerful tool that helps to anchor us into the present moment and to relax our nervous system you know, because we're in often this sort of flight or flight response that we're all still going through in many respects from this kind of anxiety or floating anxiety, some call it, you know, and sometimes things trigger us and we're not sure why we're triggered. And these practices can really help to, to do that. And then there's also this awareness of others. So there are some really amazing, very powerful ancient practices called loving kindness meditations or compassion meditations and really just thinking and being aware of others and just sitting there and, and just doing a practice for a few minutes in the morning to think about the things that we can have gratitude for. 
because we often, you know, we're wired to look at the things which aren't going really well for ourselves in yeah. life and we forget about what's going well for ourselves. And, you know, we're so fortunate, you know, in so many respects, looking at the, the good things that we have, living in this beautiful country and we have m many, many things to be happy about, you know, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's checking in with that as well and having a look, you know, and seeing, hey, you know, what's, what's, what's going well for myself? And, and gratitude journals are super, super powerful. Again, lots of evidence and research shows the benefits of it. So, you know, getting a good gratitude journal on a daily basis and just thinking about, you know, all the things that are going well for us. And we've got lots of things going well for us if we look at them. Yeah. Right. So that's a very sort of positive outlook and they yeah. sound very straightforward things yes. in, in themselves to kind of do. But yes. sort of in the busyness of, of life, we yes. often don't do it. And I was, I was yeah. quite taken by a phrase you used just then, yeah. um, floating anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah just so how do we make yeah. time, as, yeah. as it were, for doing these things that... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and look, this is a sort of a, a sort of a phrase that started to come around a little bit, you know, in the psychology movement. And, mm -hmm. and you know, it's it, it, it's important to understand that. And, and and and, you know, we don't know sometimes why we get triggered, because when you get triggered and you've had this sort of chronic anxiety or stress or worry, you know, it becomes easier to get triggered again because we've created these new sort of neurological pathways in many respects for that sort of type of thinking. Um, and sometimes we, we get triggered and we don't even know we've even been triggered. We're stressed and five, ten minutes down the line and thinking, oh, I'm feeling really stressed and really anxious. And, and that's why these very simple practices that I mentioned, those particular breathing practices, are very quick and accessible. So there's another simple practice you can do called the stop method or the stop practice. This is in the mindfulness, yeah. uh, you know, uh, practice is, you know, if you feel yourself, you know, stressed or feeling a bit anxious or overwhelmed, you know, just stop, take a few moments you know, so we, we, we stop and so we stop that kind of habitual thinking of that worry and anxiety. And then we, we take a few breaths. So again, there's that breath again. So just take a few deep breaths, you know, just a few deep breaths to anchor yourself in the present moment. So obviously a key aspect of mindfulness is grounding ourselves in the present moment because we're, we're swept away by this anxiety yeah. and worry. We're not in the present moment. So we bring ourselves into the present moment and that helps to straight away bring ourselves away from that type of thinking that might be negative or anxiety for, for, for you know for some examples and then observe so just watch and observe you know how you're feeling and and mindfulness 101 is that non-reactive sort of non-judgmental present moment awareness so we don't react to it we just observe it and we don't feed it with stories mm, and you yeah. know continually continuing down that pathway and then once we've done that for a few moments a few minutes maybe We've got that opportunity and that luxury at that time to do it. Then, then proceed again. So it's a simple practice. Now you can do that just for a few seconds or a few minutes if, like, you've got that luxury, like I said. But that's a really good, good practice to remind ourselves. And going back to specifically, how can you do it in, in a busy day? Is actually set some time aside. You know, like <clears throat> I recommend six times a day. You know, get a timer on your phone. There's lots of different timer apps where you can, you know, put some time in it and just have these little mindfulness moments, yeah. I call it. You know, and set them maybe when you have a break in the morning, at work, at lunchtime, in the afternoon, and a couple of other times during the day where you can set yourselves a, a couple of minutes and go and do what some of these practices. And you'll be amazed at how quickly you can get into a habit and how much they can start to benefit you. Because it's all just about habits. We've yes. just become very good at, 
negative habitual thinking and worry and concern. We're great at that. We don't yes. have to. We don't have to practice that. It's a natural form of our <laughs> biology and what it is to be human to be drawn to stress and anxiety, right? And, and you know those situations at times. So we just got to relearn some some old habits, really, in that sense, yeah. and check in and yeah, do those practices. So that's what I recommend. Simple stuff, just doing it a few times a day. But you don't have to, you know, suddenly transform your life and commit to half an hour's meditation every morning. It's not practical and accessible for a lot of people, but those little micro moments of mindfulness we can all do for sure yeah. so, i mean what, what i find attractive about the idea of the these things there is they're well quite frankly they're very low cost yes. i mean it sounds like these are things that you can just pick up and do yes. to yourself but um I, you know i think we all as you acknowledge we get drawn to you know what's not working and yes. what i've got to do here and yeah. um you started to allude to some techniques that yes. might help sustain it you know, if you really want to make a difference in terms of how you feel, in terms of your well-being, yeah. and recognizing that you know things have been tricky and there's yes. this ongoing flow of anxiety, yeah. what sort of things kind of help sustain sustain, sustain it? Yeah. yeah. So, so getting into good habits, right? Mm. So setting up a regular habit, like I said, those kind of micro moments of mindfulness are ideal. But I, I, if you can, just get a formal practice together, like once a day, and 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 swathes of evidence now and research that's been done around. You know, the benefits of practice of mindfulness. We know that now. But really 12 to 15 minutes a day of just focused attention mindfulness practice has been really shown to have some great benefits. But as with anything, it's about a daily practice. If we yeah. want to get good at anything, if we want to you know, learn to surf, we want to become a musician, you've got to do it a daily basis, yeah. right, regularly. But the good news is you don't have to do it a lot, you know, like for half an hour or an hour, you know, to do this. Just 12 to 15 minutes really helps. And, and to be mindful, there's three A's that I talk about in the, in the triangle of mindfulness. So there's self-awareness. So what these moments of mind, mindfulness help to do and having a breath meditation on a daily basis help to do is to create more self-awareness. So we want to be aware of our mind and, and be more in control of it, right? So, so, so not be swept away by the mind and, and, and lose control. And that's obviously where we start to lose control and where the expressions come. I don't know what I want what came over me or I yeah, was beside yeah. myself. This is where our emotions have got the better of us. So self-regulation and being aware of our thoughts and our, and our thinking, our emotions, but without getting associating with them and getting swept away is key. So that's the first A in the triangle yeah. of mindfulness. Then there's acceptance. This is the foundation of, 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 of very much resilience training and, and, and accepting. So, you know, we can't change our current circumstances, right? But we can change how we react to it and how we perceive it. So yeah. like, remember what we talked about before, the gratitude. So, you know, we might be struggling. It might be a challenging situation. But instead of looking at the negative, we accept it. And then we start to look at the positives. So look at the positives, right? So that's the second one. And then there's attention, which is now this is a big area, probably one of my favorite areas of work and research now, because there's a strong correlation between distractions and unhappiness, right? So there was this great um, uh, paper written in 2010, and it was they, they did this huge research. It was published in Science and big, big uh, sort of um, storm was, was, was kicked up around this, this article. They did a lot of research and they wanted to see how often we are distracted, right? And they did this very large study and they found 
first and foremost that we're distracted some 47% of the time. So that was an average. This was done in the States. Yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. some very big similarities. But what was the other component of it was they wanted to see what people were thinking about when they were distracted. And guess what? When we're distracted and we're ruminating, mm. excessively ruminating, we're often following negative thought patterns. You know, we're drawn to those, what's not working rather than what's working. So there's a direct correlation between uh, distractions and also that kind of excessive rumination, which leads to worry yeah. and stress and anxiety, right? So, and it was so much so, the evidence, because what they did is they checked in with everyone. When they were distracted, what were they thinking about? And guess what? Most of the time, a lot of the time, it was worry and stress and anxiety. Right. So it was so significant, the research that was found, that they pub the, 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 the title of this paper was A Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind. Yeah. You know, so it's very important to understand that. So attention is key. So mindfulness practice or meditation practices on the breath help us to create more habitual uh, 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 focused attention, which then will help us to mitigate distractions, which then obviously can lead yeah. to worry. So the more focused we are, the more attention we have in the present moment, or the more focused we are and attentive we are at any endeavor that we're doing, is going to not only dictate better success and outcomes, but also can help with lower stress and anxiety. So those are the three. Yes. So when we're practicing mindfulness, you know, checking in with yourself, making sure that we're kind of in the present moment as much as we are, we can be. And then if our mind wanders, just bring your awareness back to the breath. Really simple. It's really simple. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, like I said, acceptance. So if I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling worried, just okay. I'm, it's okay. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling worried. That's a, you know, and, and, and not resisting yes. it. Like what Carl Jung says: what you resist persists. If you struggle with it, you know, and you, you, the, all the stories come in. Oh, I don't want to feel stressed. I don't want to feel. Then you're you're adding more, more, more sort of uh, kerosene to the fire, so to speak. Or, yeah. so, I mean, so and then there's the attention part. So they're all working in yes. unison together. So it's like, you know, am I self-aware? Am I in the present moment? You know, am I accepting how things are going? And, and, in, and then am I, am I paying attention, ultimately? And I can, I can recognise the power of that on an individual level yes. in the terms of that it starts to feel like, okay, so I'd get centred <coughs> on things, like putting away those negative thoughts. I've got that awareness and, and attention of what I'm doing in front of me and I'm doing that better. Yes. And I can imagine, you know, people would um, start to take up these practices and mm. then if you're a manager or a leader yes. in, in a business, you might be thinking, well... You know, this has benefited me. Yes. How could I make this benefit my colleagues yes. or, or my team? Mm. You know, what sort of ways have you seen this work successfully in organisations? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so I've worked with a number of teams. I've had some great feedback. Uh, I've worked with some 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 various different teams in different departments, mm. and I've often working with some different different particular focuses. And uh, one of my clients, Trade Me, is a fantastic team I've worked with there. And and what we've helped to do is to these are very common topics. So things around um, things around uh, stress and anxiety, and also the working from home component. Right. So yes. obviously this has brought many benefits, but it also does bring some other challenges because we're not actually interacting with people so much anymore. And and this is a very important point to understand is that you know we, when we start to, especially after we've gone through what we have over the last few years of being you know more isolated and more. Uh, and more lonely in many respects, yeah. and then we have this kind of hybrid model. It's it's ex exacerbating that more. So so there's lots of things that you can do around that. Is checking in with your team members more. You know, really just having more get-togethers. But 
genuine get-togethers. So, you know, what I say when I'm working with the leadership teams, as an example, is like, you know, making it much more human, the workplace. So, you know, Simon Sinek talks great about this, around the sort of circle of safety. You know, we've got enough challenges right now um, around ourselves externally and with the economy and where we're going, etc. You know, what we really need to do if we want to build resilience through these challenging times, you know, we don't have a crystal ball, but what we do have control over is how we look after our teams. Mm. And this is where, you know, this compassion comes in and empathy. So really empathizing, compassion and building that into your into your strategic plan. You need to do that as a leader, especially right now. And also incorporating that into your wellness strategy is that, you know, get get the managers and get the leaders to be, you know, bringing the teams together more often, checking in with them, you know, more socializing with them. And I say to people, when was the last time you actually had a catch up one on one with the members of the team and just talked about nothing about not nothing to do with work. Yeah. Just get to know them. The more you get to know your team, the more you get to understand them, and also then you can th- then you can lead with a much you can lead much easier then with compassion and empathy. The more you understand someone, so there's often that disconnect. Right. Yeah. So that's that's what I recommend doing more so, and and just getting together people more often and having these regular well-being catch-ups, like yeah. well-being initiatives, well-being training. You know, talking with people. You know, bringing in some professional and personal development. You know, this is what people really want, and we know, and we've talked about this before. That yes. these are the most important things. <clears throat> you know, that matter to to staff members now. You know, it's uh, you know, salary was yes. Much lower down on the list when the research is being done. It's about professional development, the culture. That's what keeps people happy in the workplace and also keeps people more productive and, and more successful. So really bringing the people people point back. And that's empathy and compassion and, and that mindfulness. And know. in many ways, that <clears throat> sounds like a different style of leadership to, yes. to many of leaders that, that we've, we've seen. Um, Absolutely. You know, to, to what extent is it possible for people to kind of change their style, I guess, to this yeah. more compassionate approach? Or, yeah. or yeah. Um, you know, is this about different leaders being in place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a great question. And I, I mean, I, I'm really excited about this aspect of leadership training mm. because it's about coming back to who we are. Mm. You know, a lot of training is about learning new things and new processes. And look, that obviously has its place and it's, it's, it's essential. But really, compassion and empathy is we're wired that way as human beings. It's just we often forget about it. It's like we look after our nearest and dearest and our loved ones. And then we go into the office and suddenly we're just wearing a different hat. And it's all about, you know, productivity and drive or whatever the other, um, you know, uh, motivators are. But is it really about bringing that 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 you know what how we treat others outside of the workplace? How do we bring that into the workplace too? And love and compassion and kindness and empathy, you know, is doing that. So it's really just really reminding ourselves of that, you know, that that there are so many different factors why people will be potentially struggling right now, and we don't know yes. someone's personality deep down. You know, we only see the tip of the iceberg. But one thing that we we can do to connect with people, and it's about connection, you know, understanding people is through those, you know, inherent qualities that we have, which are kindness and compassion and empathy. Everyone knows that. Everyone understands that. Everyone connects with that. 
You know, you don't have to know someone intimately to know that they want love and compassion. Everyone does, right? So it's about bringing those back into the workplace, however you do that, to bring teams together and to connect with people individually too. Yeah, Yeah, and I think you talked to a number of things that, you know, definitely sort of deal with... um, terms of you know the uh, hybrid sort of work workforce yes. whereby people aren't quite so connected as they were in the sense of seeing each other and the mm. uh, the water cooler type conversation yes. doesn't yes. happen by it by a team so yes. ha- how do you make that that sort of thing happen where people just get to know each other a little bit better yeah. um, and you know another thing that you just alluded to as well was well, uh, it was really around how what we see in a lot of surveys yeah. around what people want from the workplace yes. is an organisation that thinks about their, their yes. well-being yes. and but provides sort of well-being and wellness, wellness yes. support. Um, yes. And what you're talking about here is something that I think helps us broaden that definition of, of yes. wellness. It isn't just yes. about fixing a problem. Yeah. It isn't just about... Uh, uh, some sort of service that's sort of off to the side. It sounds like you're talking about it being completely integrated into the way people are led and work together. Yes, absolutely. It's exactly right. And it's about having those regular catch-ups with people, yeah. making workplace more social. You know, there, there, there are so many different factors that come into play. I mean, having that right culture is key as well, you know, as if we can. You know, you have a culture as an organisation and when people come on board, they fit into that culture. But really living those, living those values yeah. is so important. Because often there's a disconnect yes. uh, between, you know, the values <laughs> of what people say there is. And often an organisation will be selling that to the employee. The employee comes on board and there's sometimes disconnect. So there's that being authentic, you know. Yeah. And again, they all feed into these compassion, empathy, you know, authenticity, honesty, you know, and trust. And, and that, that the trust is, is a key component of obviously leadership training, right? This is the foundation of good leadership training. If you have teams that trust one another, they work together better, you know, and, and, and instilling, like I said, that compassionate and empathetic workplace and getting together people, getting together more with your team, yeah. having fun, you know, being making it more social is really what brings and keeps people together and investing, like we talked about. We know that that's one of the highest on the list of what keeps people in an organization is investing in them you know one you know that you're listening to them that you look you really care about them you know and invest investing in your team members with professional development and these types of programs are really going to help them to feel like they have a sense of belonging and they're looked after and they're heard and they you know and they're cared about you know and, and, and 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 everyone wins everyone wins i'm I'm sure though at times you've had sort of pushback to this from sort of business Mm. saying well you know we're really busy we've got to hit these numbers or we're behind we've got to to do this how do you kind of answer that sort of pushback when it when it comes yeah yeah it's an interesting question i mean one of the things i always bring up and as we know it's a it's a common thing to remind people about but often it's important to remind people about this is that you know when you've got team members you've you've spent a lot of time to bring someone on board a company in a company and you want to keep them we all know that you know the the cost implications you know and and, you know both personally and 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 financially when you lose team members and this is it it's to remind people that through these challenging times you know if you want to be successful you know it's it's you've really got to remind yourself that that you know people will not stay around sometimes if if you're not doing this and that's the thing to reflect upon. It's like, you know, who in your organisation do you really want to keep on board? And do you definitely not want to replace with anyone else? And reflect on that and remind yourself. Because, 
you know, often it's too late when yes. you get that email or get that conversation with your employee. It's some, most of the time too late. So you've got to think a little bit ahead about that and remind yourself of what is the cost if, if some of my great employees don't stay around and what do I need to do to keep them, you know, and, and to keep them. And we know what you need to do yeah. just to remind yourself of that, you know. So that's that's what I talk about, you know. And, and there are some there are some things we put in place around, you know, things to do and to build into your meetings, you yeah. know, questions to ask, you know, things to do, you know, make it more personal and also things to actually invest in, you know, how do you do that? But, yeah. And so it sounds like your answer is, is a thing we often sort of come back to in these conversations yes. at the moment, the importance of retaining your key yeah. talent, yes. the importance of... Um, thinking well what is it that your key talent values so understanding your your people better so you're better able to kind of meet their needs and also um, I I think um, although what you talk about reflects on in the here and now and Mm. experience the actual pushback answer is about take a long-term view it sounds like like you want to keep these people so that's that's important i'm glad you brought this up again because there's another component which is a really important answer to that that original question so there's the long-term view which is retention right we're talking about here okay but there's then there's also we have a beautiful head start in new zealand with something and that's diversity (laughs) you know we're a very diverse workplace right now there's a lot of uh, incredible research a fantastic book called The Wisdom of Crowd that talks about this, about when you include more and more people involved in in, in the process, you get better outcomes. And this is, and we know about this, this is obviously an aspect of good leadership training now, diversity and inclusion. So this is something you can start straight off the bat with. So now, obviously, we can't involve everyone in in sort of decision making processes, right? <laughs> every time, every yeah, yeah. time, there's no decision. There's yeah, no yeah. decision, right? <laughs> exactly. So we do have to work in our little pods and silos yeah. and groups. But when there's actually decisions being made or ideas being sort of put to the table around your strategic plan, like long-term vision, you'll be surprised at how important and beneficial it is to actually get feedback from as many people as possible in your organisation. You know, and again, the research shows that. It's like diversity of ideas, of opinions. And diversity means, you know, not just, you know, people with a similar viewpoint and a similar vision or making, you know, the same, you know, same ideas. It's about bringing more people involved. So that's something you can do right off the bat when you're actually working with your teams to to create that inclusion, you know, to actually involve them more in their ideas. And you'll be surprised at what you find. So, again, what this is helping to do is helping to break down those silos, the disconnect. You know, because the more connection you have with with as with as many of your team members as possible, the more you understand them, the more diversity of ideas you get. So diversity of ideas, so incorporating more people involved in in, in the decision making process or just even from ideas. And then that long term vision, you know, retention. What do I need to do to keep my my team here? So where you're looking for more ideas, you're looking for more innovation, that's a sort of immediate benefit that you can get from from the approach of really sort of building greater rapport between people and thinking about people's wellness it sounds like exactly diverse teams are more successful and successful teams are more diverse it's really that simple it goes two ways yeah it goes two ways Uh, yeah yeah. and can you um think of 
of uh, I don't know any particular organisations that you you would you you've looked at or you've worked with and you think oh the these guys this this organisation seems to be doing it really well yeah. you know could yeah. you sort of bring yeah, it to life to a talk. bit yeah, like that yeah there's yeah. an amazing organisation I work with uh, uh, um, an organisation called Care Jobs and they are a recruitment organisation uh, Kate I work with one on incredible lady an incredible organization and they recruit in the healthcare industry right. yeah and just incredible like what they've been able to implement and really caring about their, their their staff you know as with anything when it comes to leadership you know you you have to incorporate some of these practices onto a daily routine right so there are there are you know some great books that i highly recommend and practices that you can put into it on a, on a day-by-day basis and you know i i just had incredible um, you know, heard such wonderful feedback from her about how how it's really helped and supported them on their journey. And they're a fast-growing business, um, you know, and, and, and successful and having all of those challenges that come with that sort of growth uh, period of time. But it was just a joy to work with them and, and her in particular um, because she really cared about her team and, and, and was very easy in many respects to work with her. But it was just beautiful to hear the feedback and the success that happened from that. You know, and it isn't a lot to do. Just right. gotta incorporate, like I said, these little habits on a yeah. daily basis and just and just, you know, get that team together, you know, in, more inclusion more diversity and have those conversations yeah so you know for an organization thinking like we we want to do something on this yes. and we're going to get kind yeah. of there's a number of different things we can do here yeah. as, as le- our leaders to do we yes. can suggest things for the team to do you know how long does it take to kind of noticeably shift the dial on these sort of things yeah yeah that's a good question yeah. uh, it's it very much depends on where you're at right now <laughs> yes. you know and that that's it and and there can be some challenges because if you've been operating from a certain you know uh, perspective for a while it can it can it can take longer to change you know but the good news is you can start to see things really quickly and especially when it's been done very authentically it needs to not be contrived you know when you were talking about people and culture we want to be really authentic with what we're doing and just bringing that fun and joy back into the workplace and caring about people but really quick you can start to see you know results quick especially when you're involving other people in the team so there's lots of things that you can do, you know, as a leader and as a manager to sort of get other well-being champions involved. Yeah. And this is what's what's important, right? We've got lots of people in the workplace that are quite passionate about personal development anyway, yes, yes. right, in their own spare time. And this is this is really, really powerful, you know. Um, Zero, fantastic, such a joy to work with this organisation. Have a huge team globally of wellbeing champions. And, you know, that, that's in addition to their other roles. And they have a fantastic culture, you know, fantastic wellbeing programme. And, you know, there are people that are part of that. Yes. And I think that's what an important part to seeing some good results is to bring more people involved. There's that inclusion again. Yes. We talked about, you know, you know, you tend to have one person managing health and well-being, but it's a big task to undertake for one person. Get a team of people, you know, that want to invest in that. And people love to invest their time in this. When it comes to kindness and compassion and helping your fellow teammates and work colleagues, 
there's a lot of people that will step forward and be involved. Right? So it's not the sort of thing that we're just looking for one person to take off or it sort of yeah. points somebody here. We're looking for something where you get benefit from from doing, in effect, what you're saying about involving, involving more people. And you used that example just now of, of Zero. You talked yes. about well-being champion. Yeah. So yeah. What, what sort of thing did a well-being champion do? Yeah, yeah. so they, they, they're in different pods of the organisation. So mm. obviously they have different teams and different pods. And they just have different different people that assume that role and, and keep keep an, an eye on those those aspects of it so the training was done the company wide we did a great program and mm-hmm. and and incorporated the foundations of mindfulness yes. um, and did two foundation courses in that and then 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 the well-being champions are then looking after their team and keeping an eye on that and 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 it just comes down to teamwork you yeah know? it comes down to teamwork you know this is what's important you know well-being in a, in a culture is a team effort too, you know, and like I said, that's what it is. So more people involved is if you've got an organisation and you've got, you know, quite a few employees, have a think about that. If you don't have well-being champions, if you've got a few different departments, yeah. maybe think about that as a, as, a, as a first step, you know, is there anyone in that department that, that's quite passionate about well-being? You know, can we bring them on board? And you'd be surprised, like I said, if you're really passionate about, you know, well-being, People would love to help out in that area, you know, in addition yes. to their normal role, you know. So this is, you know, teamwork is key. Now, yeah. I know this is an area that a lot of organisations mm. want to do things yes. on. And, it, and, you know, we sort of see from our surveys, we see that organisations are sort of feel they're well prepared in terms of what I might call the more traditional sort of side of health and safety yes. and the rules that yes. are there and so forth. But in terms of sort of well-being, they, they want to do something, yeah. but sometimes they're not quite sure what, what to what do. To do. Yeah. So w- yeah. what would be your advice on sort of where to start or how yeah. to decide where to start? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, and this is, a, this is a fantastic question, actually, because this is quite a common theme that I'd certainly, uh, myself and obviously other, yeah. other of my other professionals in this space are dealing with the same, is, is <clears throat> you know, often well-being... Is, is been moving somewhat. Yeah. You know, one quarter it's focusing on stress or anxiety, it might be mental health, you know, weak, and then it will be food and nutrition, and then it might be <clears throat> sleep as an example, which is a yes. really important topic in the five pillars of health and well-being. Maybe we'll cover that in a second. It's really simple, simple uh, model uh, to keep an eye on. But but I think what I recommend doing first and foremost is 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 getting together a, a strategy and mm. really, you know, going into your organization, going deep. So obviously surveys, research, get some well-being champions, find out, so spend a fair bit of time researching what's really going on in the organisations, what are those challenges, and get people to talk openly about them. So what's really important is that people are honest and people feel comfortable about talking about, you know, these challenges. And that might be anonymous and that's fine, but just getting to the root of what are the the themes, because often a company will have a theme which is quite unique to them. And then it's a matter of, okay, let's look at this holistically. And what are the priorities we need to focus on right now? And then, and then we need to implement this strategy over a period of time. So well-being should be part, 100% of the overall strategic plan yeah. of a business. If there's a three to five year strategic plan or whatever it is, this needs to be fundamental to the, to the organization. And then it's about focusing on like the five pillars. Yeah. We touched about this before, mental health and well-being, right? So that incorporates mindfulness and good mental health and well-being. Then there's sleep. And then there's food and nutrition, 
movement and, 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 and exercise, and then there's social connections, right? You know, and, and this is both out of work, both, both in, in work. So focusing on those five pillars, you know, that, that, that's where you need to focus your, you know, your, your, your activities ultimately. But yeah, just take some time and ask. Ask people. There's that inclusion piece yeah. again. You know, yes. don't think you know what's going on in the organisation. You know, you've got to really ask people. Uh, and, and it gets harder when it's larger organisation, but it's so important to ask those questions and, yeah. and get that feedback first and foremost and then build build a strategy around that and focus on whatever those pillars are most important right now, first and foremost. Yeah. So your approach is very this inclusive right from the beginning, seeking yes. people's views, yes. working out where it's involving people yes. and then, then moving moving yeah. forward from there. Yeah. I mean, I think that that shows that you're kind of building it as, as you're kind of doing it, doesn't mm. it? Um, mm. You know, it's like we're, we're creating this environment just in the way we're approaching yes. that, that yes. well, wellness in the organisation. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's lots of fascinating areas that you kind of kind of delved into and you, you clearly mm. have a wealth of, wealth of experience there. Um, sort of my final question mm. is a little bit like, well, where do you see this going in the future? Because yeah. it is such a high profile thing at the moment. Is it going to be a bit of a fad and, and drop away, or do you think this is going to continue and become more important? This to is going to be an it's a great. Is this is going to be an integral part of organisations in the future. I really believe we're on one trajectory, and it's a positive trajectory. You know, I really believe that good mental health and well-being practices, good mindfulness practices, are going to be as common as brushing our teeth in the morning, really, in the future. And 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 focusing on the mental health and well-being first and foremost is key. And then all of those other five pillars, you know, will start to start to form around that. But I absolutely think that this is going to be just there is a wave happening now. And just as more and more companies and organisations incorporate, you know, good health and well-being strategies, you'll start to see, especially here in New Zealand, that the results come yeah. out from that. I mean, ultimately, it's results we want to see. Yes. Right? We can talk about it till the cows come home, but it's about results. And there's so much research that shows, you know, that this works. You know, a lot of this research is overseas. Uh, there is still a lot coming through New Zealand right now, but it will be an integral part of of a company strategy, I believe, in the future. Absolutely. I think it's going to be as common as any of the other strategic goals of an organisation in the future. And it's really exciting to think of that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's exciting too. I think also uh, that's a very positive sort of view of the future mm. to indicate that organisations are going to be thinking about this much more. Yes. And, you know, that enables each individual to give their best and the, the organisation to perform its best. Yes, so I absolutely. think that's that's terrific. And your, your enthusiasm and your examples today have been so, so interesting mm. and fascinating to hear. Yeah. So, um, Zach, I'd really like to thank you so much for coming along and sharing this wealth of experience that you have. Um, and I would obviously like to thank people uh, who've listened to this conversation. Um, I hope from it you've got some sort of practical tips that might help you as an individual, but also help you in your roles in the organisation. Uh, and as Zach says, this is this is a wave that is going to continue and, and become stronger. So uh, once again, thank you very much, thank Zach. You. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to this EMA cast. <laughs>